I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman. I'm joined this week by Owen Hughes Hello. and Callum Petch Hello. as we have a look at the last week or so in film. Uh, finishing the podcast this week with our review of the new Christopher Nolan film, Dunkirk. Yeah, Battle for the War of the Dunkirk. Yeah, Battle for the yep. World War Two of Dunkirk yep. to even warrior than that World a, War One. It's a callback to last week. Yeah. Which, if anyone yeah. it's, part, it's part of the yeah. deep fail critics cinematic universe mythology. There, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it will put it's like lost. We'll put something in an episode and then mm. you've got to keep listening because in six weeks' time we'll bring it back up again. And we might not resolve it. We might just leave yeah. you all disappointed and it might all end up just being purgatory that we're in. And we'll, um, we'll just refer to stuff as it, flash sideways, despite whatever. Yeah, we'll do some flash we'll do yeah. some flashbacks. <laughs> we'll do some flashbacks. So halfway through this podcast, Owen's just gonna put in like thirty seconds of our first ever podcast and it was, it's meant to mean something to you. Um and yep. we'll find out why Jack got some really shit tattoos and what the dog's all about. Uh, um, St- Steve, you realise right now that yeah. Owen doesn't actually do that late in the podcast, then like everybody's gonna be so disappointed right now. You've made his job yeah. harder. It's not happening. I'm still angry about how Lost ended. If you can't if you can't <laughs> tell I'm furious about how it, uh, it still it still hurts me because it was it was three and a bit seasons of great telly and then three and a bit seasons of utter disappointment. I mean, are you also angry about the fact that you had to watch a rubbish film for losing? last week well on to that that film has not yet been watched as me and Owen came to an agreement we're doing a football film special soon and ah, that film is being week, that fact. film that that film is going to be watched by the both of us in preparation for that synergy uh, so it is, it, yeah and in some ways we're both losers now <laughs> yep nobody wins so yes yes every loser wins just like alien um, versus predator yeah uh, but yes, that that will happen in a, in a few weeks. But the quiz this week, uh, Callum is is taking the, the chair of quiz host this week, following in the um, the footsteps of such esteemed quiz show hosts as Bob Holness and your man who did fifteen to one. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, but yeah, that was uh, actually Tarrant. somebody did fifteen. I, I don't ever remember somebody like well, all my members of William G. Stewart. Oh, okay. Like all my members of 15 to 1 were always just sort of like a disembodied voice that would introduce people and they would just keep cycling around until people got eliminated mm. from that there. But maybe I'm misremembering of a completely different, similarly impersonal yeah. quiz show. Or, oh, or, or, or maybe Anne Robinson of The Weakest Link. I mean, whichever you like don't, to, I don't to have, follow I in the don't footsteps have that kind of withering sarcasm, I'm afraid, Steve. No, I don't I don't think you could be that mean to you, us. You could be both Alexander Armstrong and Richard Osman. Well, I do have a propensity for unfunny tangents that don't go anywhere. So, mm. Right. Anyways, 
<laughs> Brad, I mean, Bradley Walsh on a chase. If, if is a funny answer comes up and you just lose, are we it, quite yeah. finished? <laughs> I wish we were. <laughs> we're just trying to name as many as we can, though. Yeah, I can't. I who, can't. Who think does of that anyone. one that you um, applied for, Steve? That was that um, Rick Edwards. Uh, what, 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 I, what I really am is I'm the Stephen Mulhern of like of this podcast. I'm that I'm succeeding a very famous guy in that there and being just shitty because I'm Stephen Mulhern and nobody likes Stephen Mulhern. Are you, is this quiz going to be me and Owen playing Dick and Dom in the bungalows bogeys? I would love for that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I, have su- I have such a huge nostalgia for Dick and Dom. You, peop- you, 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 you two have no idea. Um, right, so th- like this weekend, uh, whilst I was at the cinema, in addition to watching Dunkirk and Sophia Coppola's The Beguiled, which we'll be talking about later, as well as me watching War for the Planet of the Apes, which may have possibly lowered my opinion of Dunkirk, <laughs> uh, I had also seen a animated film called Monster Island, which none of you will have heard of, and very few other people will have heard of, but it's part of a group of those kinds of deliberately low-budget foreign animations, which are probably not relatively mid-tier budget for their country something there but like but I dumped into UK theatres with hatchet dub jobs like they're for like you know quick easy money in that case I've been a lot of them over the years and I've seen the vast majority of them thanks to my general place to see all the animated movies you know like out there and I'm actually kind of fascinated by them in a way really because they kind of act like windows into like a world where animation kind of never progressed past the year 2003 in terms of your, like <laughs> sensibilities, storytelling, humor, mm-hmm. etc., and all that stuff. Um, so uh, again, like not in a like cruelly mocking way, in like a genuine this fascinates me kind of way. Um, so for today's quiz, I decided why don't I test your knowledge on a bunch of these films that have come out over the last few years? Um, what I have here are a bunch. Of, uh, like, well, I'm going to give you the title of one of these such movies and then three sets of synopses all for real films but you have to find one that matches the the matches the title of the film that i just gave to you if that makes sense right yes um yeah you're both answering at the same time there are six questions but they're also but you can also gain bonus points whoever gets a question right if anybody gets a question right for guessing the country the film is from and from answering a special bonus question attached to it oh uh one for most points wins if there's a tie there is a tiebreaker because you know yeah. i'm not i'm not gonna let this descend into chaos of tied victories <laughs> or anything like that and we're gonna do all these anyway because i put too much goddamn effort into this well <laughs> now you know how much now you know how much effort we go in put in when we make up a quiz um, yes, yes I, I, I know. I can't help it. I am, I am the class overachiever. Anyways, <laughs> let's begin with the film that inspired this here quiz, Monster Island. Is Monster Island about A, a teenage boy journeys to find his missing father only to discover that he's actually Bigfoot? B, a misfit teenage boy discovers a shocking secret about himself and his dad and runs away in order to discover his real homeland? Or C, Goblins, elves, fairies, and imps clash over a magic love potion that could decide the fate of their kingdom. Uh, Steve, you can go first. See, now I thought this would be about an island full of monsters. But I'm going to say A, because that's what I want it to be. (laughs) Okay, and Owen? Uh, I'm going to go B in that case. He's running off to find his true homeland. Uh, That is correct. It is B. Um, Yes. It is also actually an island filled with monsters because the, t- the boy and his father are monsters disguised as humans. Uh, really, 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 really ugly looking humans and ugly looking monsters. It's an ugly looking film. Oh, Callum, are, are humans the real monsters here? 
Uh, actually, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the villain of the film. Is, the villain of the film is the son of a bunch of monsters who never actually turned into a monster, and therefore is a resentful human who's trying to use mad science to make himself a monster, mm. and he accidentally kills the dad's sister. And it's it's overplotted like all these movies are basically. Um, a is a real movie, however. It it is called Harry and the Henderson. My father. <laughs> no, yeah. it's called it's called the son it's called the son of Bigfoot and it is out in on August eleventh. I'm right. going apparently. Oh, making going. Uh, right. Um, <laughs> C is uh, right. Anyways, Owen. Um, which country was Monster Island created by? Um, Argentina. Robert. Uh, close but wrong. Steve, do you want to take a punt? Um. I hope, well, you must mean geographically close, don't they? Whatever kind of close there could be in this kind of answer. So I'm going to say Chile. Uh, no, the correct answer is Mexico. No, uh, actually, right. Um, and then Owen as well gets a chance to go for the, the actual bonus question. You know, first team out there. Um, this one is about C, which is the film Strange Magic, released in the year 2015. So, um. Owen, mm -hmm. which famous architect of the blockbuster revolution of American cinema is credited with the story to Strange Magic? If you want a clue, you can have a clue. I'll have a clue. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, you'll have a clue. Um, he is responsible. Like he is responsible for the screenplays for two of the biggest franchises of the late seventies, early eighties. Uh, George Miller? No, I'm being with it. Wrong. I'm afraid. Mm. Steve, do you want to take a shot? Is it George Lucas? Yes, it is. No, wait. You were so... I wanted to say so close as well, but I had a feeling that Steve would actually get that one. Yeah, no, it's by George Lucas, yeah. who specifically came up with this story because he wanted to make Star Wars for girls. That was his specific instruction oh, when he came up with the story for this film, for Strange Magic. He wanted to make a Star Wars for girls. If there was a it's way bad. to make him... It's real bad. Yeah. Right, okay, yeah. next one. Capture the flag. Is it about A... The son of a sworn defender of a remote village chooses to pursue his dreams in the big city in spite of his father. B. A trio of teenage monkeys attempt to liberate the planet Banner from the evil overlord Zong. Or C. <laughs> the grandson of an astronaut and his two extreme sports-loving friends must be a billionaire in a race to the moon. Steve, you get to go first. I'm just going to go with these, which the, which the plot I want it to be. And this one I want <laughs> to be C. Oh, okay, really? and I'd Owen? quite like I'd quite like the apes one and Zong. I just like that one. Uh, well, Steve is correct in this instance. It was C. Ah, uh, that's a shame. B was the film Spark a Space Tale, um, which uh, is one of the few ones I haven't actually seen because it came out in like paying cinemas whilst I was too busy to be able to go. So that's that. And A was the film Rock Dog, a um, which we'll come <laughs> back to in a second, but. Steve, since you have the point, since you have the advantage here, what country created Capture the Flag? I think we're going to be looking at one that, that does a lot of space stuff, and I think it's going to be Russia. Wrong. Yeah. Oh. There, there, there are Russian animations in here, but it's not. Uh, but like, like in in some of these options here, but it's not that one. Owen, do you want to take a punt? Bolivia. Uh, wrong. Mm. It's Spain. Oh. Also, yeah. apparently a country. Also, apparently a country that has never gotten over rednecks, Cotton Eye Joe, seeing it plays four times in the space of an eighty-minute <laughs> movie. It's a good when school was... disco classic for someone of my and Owen's age, not yourself, Callum. I reckon it was still good. The billionaire they're racing to the moon, by the way, is desperate. 
is desperate to try and prove that the moon landing was a fake and therefore wants to steal the flag in order to sell people on his renewable energy. No, that doesn't make sense. Why would you well, go and get the flag if you're trying to prove that it didn't don't, happen? Don't, don't. Look, you're asking for logic in these films, here, Steve. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Okay, right. So, again, Steve, Steve does have the advantage here, so you get to answer the bonus question first. Oh, I'm excited. I'm which is about the film Rock Dog, which was option A. Which Wilson brother voiced the titular Rock Dog? Wilson brother? Uh, like yes, believe it or not, but Owen yeah, or, yeah, there is more yeah. than one Wilson. I'm going to say it was Owen Wilson. Wrong! Uh, Owen, do you want to take a punt? Yeah, it's Luke Wilson. It is Luke Wilson, yes. Yeah. Because they couldn't... Uh, get, look, look, they have, the, they have the best voice cast that 2008 could buy, <laughs> um, including Luke Wilson, Mae Whitman, J.K. Simmons, Lewis Black. Wow. You know, just a, a corner cope. Oh, and uh, Eddie Izzard as well, playing a British rock cat. Of course. Of course. I keep. Yeah. I honestly keep forgetting I spent 90 minutes of my life watching that at the London Film Festival, to be honest. Uh, yeah. It's... It's fine. It's it's probably one of the better ones that we're going to talk about here. But there we go. Uh, so, oh, by the way, in case you're wondering, the third Wilson brother is Andrew, according to Wikipedia. There are three Wilson brothers. That's see, we all learn something. We learn something new every day. What does he do? He just works in their father's corner <laughs> shop or something. Yeah. My old man is a dustman. <laughs> uh, right. Next up, the wildlife. Is it about? A, a daring parrot recounts the real story of how a sailor came to be stranded on a tropical island. B, a half-striped zebra embarks on a perilous journey to gain his stripes, saving his herd in the process. Or C, a talking, dancing polar bear travels to New York City in order to stop a real estate developer from encroaching on his homeland. Owen, you get to go first. <laughs> um, uh, let's, let's, go, let's go with C, the, the encroaching on his homeland one. Okay, and Steve... Well, Owen's messed up my plan of picking the one I want it to be because I wanted to be C. <laughs> so second, sec the second choice for me, which one I wanted it to be, would have been B. I'm going to go with B. Okay, I'm afraid you are both wrong in this instance. Oh. The correct answer is A. That sounds like the most boring one. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But we'll come back to that in a second. Uh, B was Kumba Zebra's Tale which some of you might remember, which long, long, long time visitors to the Fail Critic website might remember, I reviewed back in 2014. Wow. Uh, as a South African movie um, as well, with Liam Neeson as a sort of Jesus-y father figure. Or was it Lawrence Fishburne? It's really bad if I've gotten one of the two wrong. Actually. I mean, <laughs> at least, at least it wasn't a toss-up between Samuel L. Jackson and Lawrence Fishburne. No, no, no. I know why. Liam Neeson is the villain who's an evil, vi who's an evil lion trying to eat everybody. Ah. Um, is he evil, though? Because that's just what they do. Yeah. Uh, look, it's a kid's film, okay? You know that just anybody who wants to murder a protagonist is automatically bad. Well, that's yeah, that's how I mean, this works. It's a bit harsh on the lion. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, C is Norm of the North. Oh. A real movie with Rob Schneider as the lead character and one of the worst animated films ever made. Last year, uh, I dragged an, an online friend of mine to go see it with me whilst we also watched, before we watched Zootopia and 10 Cloverfield Lane. He still hasn't forgiven me over this. <laughs> uh, justifiably, I mean. I basically dragged him to a Rob Schneider movie. So, yeah. with mm. fart jokes. Lots and lots of fart jokes. Um, anyways, uh, I'm going to keep... Owen, you still have the advantage here. Do you want to take a punt at which country the wildlife was made by? Oh, uh, there's got to be a French one at some point, but I'm not sure if that'll be it. Although they do hate 
No, yeah, let's go France. Let's go France. Close, but no cigar. Steve, do you want to take a try? I'm going to say Portugal. Opposite direction, my friend. The correct answer was Belgium. Oh, I, I was going to say Belgium as well. I was close. Oh, the, same pe- yeah, the same people who are making Mice the Son of Bigfoot as well. So, you oh. know, they're really sick into their wheelhouse. Uh, right, Owen, you also get a chance now to redeem yourself with a bonus question. The wildlife is actually the United States title of this film. What was the film mm-hmm. given to it in the UK? You are allowed a clue. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd have a clue. Okay, um, it's not a very good clue, I'll <laughs> tell you this here. Um, it's, ba- it's what the film's about. Like, it's an adaptation of a book. Of a very, very famous book. Okay, give me the, the synopsis again. A daring parrot recounts the real story of how a sailor came to be stranded on a tropical island. I know it. Treasure Island. Wrong. Oh, uh, Steve, do you want to take a try? Robinson Crusoe. Yes. Ugh. So currently, Steve is up 3-2. And you best believe that Robinson Crusoe does indeed start with that parrot going, eh, this guy's on nothing. You want to hear the real story of how Robinson Crusoe survived on this island? <laughs> its villains are a pair of um, predators, of, of predatory cats who have sex about a third of the way into the movie, birth a giant litter, and then try and kill the heroes in order to feed their children. They're the villains. Right. Are they villains, though, trying to feed their children? Uh, apparently they are, because they're trying to kill Robinson Crusoe and the, fan- and the happy talking parrot, who sounds like Johnny Test. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that actually landed for somebody. I was worried I was just going to be met with stony silence. Anyways, right. Next up, this is 3-2 at the moment. We're halfway through. Uh, Guardians of Oz. Is it about A, a young girl, her pet ferret, and a friendly troll must rescue her brother from an evil queen and in the process save the world? B, a tornado rips through Kansas, sending Dorothy back to Oz where she must save her friends from an evil jester? Or C, a tin man, a scarecrow, a cowardly lion, and a caring winged monkey team up to protect their world from an evil witch? Uh, Steve, you get to go first. I think it's B. I mean, The Wizard of Oz, there's a lot of books on that when you look into it, just other than Mm. The Wizard of Oz. It's like a big universe. It it seems quite confusing. I did read into it once, and it's all all kinds of confusion in different worlds with gnome kings and stuff, and people crashing on air balloons and stuff. It it didn't seem like as as well-built as, say, the Harry Potter universe or Lord of the Rings universe. But someone tried to do it, and I reckon it'd be part of it all. Okay, you reckon it's B, yeah. Owen? I think B, I mean, B sounds like it's possibly Return to Oz. So, uh, C sounds like po- probably Wizard of Oz. I'll go A. You are both wrong, my oh. friends. It's C. Hmm. Although, B is a Wizard of Oz movie. I mean, Specifically, it's the film Legends of Oz. Did you like it, though, when I tried uh, to show my working? Like, they have to do in I did like now. it. I very much, I very much did like it. I hope everybody, I hope everybody listening is giving yeah. a round of applause for I mean, Steve. That's, uh, that's what they all the do on quiz shows, isn't it? It's not, you can't just give the answer. You've got to show your working why you think that first. No. You must talk through the board. Yes. As Alexander Armstrong says yeah. there. Um, a is the Snow Queen, which oh. is a Russian feature that has received three movies as of 2017. Wow. I watched the first one in the cinema um, about one year after Frozen, even though it had been made two years before Frozen, and it's it's bad. It's real bad. It looks ropey and it's terrible. Uh, right, so, um, Steve, would you like to take a punt at which at guessing one of the two countries that Guardians of Oz is made by? It's a co-production here. Oh, Guardians of Oz. 
Canada. Uh, nope. Owen, do you want to try and t- get a point here? Uh, where is Wizard of Oz popular? Uh, uh, Kansas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll go Australia. Oz. Uh, okay, neither of you are getting a point there. It's a Mexico-India co-production. I was going to say India. <laughs> I, I just thought uh, one like, one will be some kind of weird <laughs> Bollywood thing. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, as for... Um, right, anyway, Steve, you do still have control here for the bonus question. This is about Legends of Oz, uh, which is meant which pictured itself as a sequel to The Wizard of Oz in a way. Um, which Hannibal alumni played a character in Legends of Oz? Can I have a clue? Uh, okay, it's one of the leads. And it's a TV show, obviously. Ah. Uh, because I've not even seen a TV show. Uh, I have, and I can only remember two so of the I'd, people. Uh, <laughs> who was in a TV show? Was Mads Mikkelsen in a TV show? And if it, He was, it, was but it, it's it not, it, him. not him. Uh, yeah, sorry. Well. Uh, Owen? Uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Nope, it's Hugh Dancy. He plays he plays Marshall Mallow, a king one of the king of Candyland area. Um, Dorothy in this film was played by Leah Michelle, uh, also featured the voice talents of of um, of Kelsey Grammer as the Cowardly Lion. Right, so so far we are still on three two mm-hmm. as we head into uh, the last two questions here. You ready? Right, so uh, Owen, you get to start this time here. Okay, it's one that's it's one that's got quite a history here at Fail Critics. Two by two. Uh, okay. Is it about? <laughs> is it about a a group of misfits journey across their world, pursued by evil predators, to reunite in safety with their parents? B a man must protect his jungle from evil mercenaries working for an energy company who wish to mine it for alien minerals. Or C, an incorrigibly self-serving squirrel finds himself raiding a nut shop with his former park brethren in order to survive. Owen, you get to go first. Well, C is nut job, isn't it? So I think... Um, oh, I, ge- I genuinely can't remember. A, I'll go A. You're going A and Steve? Well, C is nut job, isn't it? So I'm going to go B. You realize you could both pick the same answers to stuff, right? You don't have to choose differently. Yeah, it's no fun that way, is it? I was going to say, well, it's too late anyway. It is A. It is A. Um, okay. You are correct. C-, C is the nut job, which is getting a sequel because the first one was released in January and therefore it made money. So now I get to sit through the film that gave me a horrible low-res low version of Psy gang- dancing to Gangnam style. Now, great job, everybody. I, I watched, I've actually seen the nut job and it was diabolical. It was terrible. I don't, I don't even it know was, if kids would, be, would find it funny, like young kids. Yeah, I have said it's probably the worst animated comedy. It was the worst animated comedy, animated film even of 2014. Mm. It's probably also the worst animated film of the decade, to be honest yeah. as well. It's just dire. Uh, B was a German um, CG mocap Tarzan movie. Right. You might be wondering where aliens come, where alien minerals come into the original Tarzan mythos. And the correct answer is, how the fuck should I know? <laughs> Quite frankly. Somebody wanting yeah. to make Avatar, but not have to pay James Cameron's lawyers. So there we go. <laughs> um, a, a is two by two. It is a four-way co-production. Owen, would you like to take a crack at one of the countries? America. Wrong. <laughs> Even with four options, you still can't Look, get I it. Can't uh, Steve, that. do you want to take a try? Russia. Nope, nope. It is <laughs> Germany. 
Luxembourg, Belgium, and Ireland. Well, were Holland, were Holland busy that weekend? or? <laughs> <laughs> right, bonus question for Owen here. And again, we're currently tied up at 3 all. by the way. Um, two by Two was one of many names that the film got in its various distributions all over the world. Which one of these three was not a localized title for 2 by 2 All Creatures Great and Small, Race for the Ark, or Oops, Noah Has Gone. <laughs> um, oops, Noah has gone. Steve, would you like to take a crack at the answer? Was it was it race for the ark? It was race for the ark. No way. Oops, Noah has gone. Was its title in Germany? <laughs> I wish I were making that up. Uh, I should have guessed. Or, or, or if you want to even use two by two as its with its subtitle, it was two by two. Noah has gone as well so you know that's right, weird that one. is our most like viewed i know written i don't understand <laughs> and he keeps getting comments as well from people who are upset at me for not liking the yeah. movie so many angry moms <laughs> it's, it's like, like it's fun it's just funny to me it is yeah. uh right last right last set of questions then steve is currently ahead for free it is a tight game here uh, so, Steve, you get to answer first, though, on this one. The Unbeatables. Is it about A, a man finds his beliefs challenged when he enters a TV talent competition, B, a foosball player must save his rural town from an evil footballer and old foosball rival by beating him in a game for real thing with the help of magical foosball players, or C, an orphan girl escapes to Paris to fulfill her lifelong dream, impersonating another girl in order to gain access to a prestigious school in the process? I think I know this one. I think it's B. I think Ralph Little might do a voice. Okay, yeah, Owen? Yeah, yeah, it's B. It is B. It is B. Sadly, I'm not giving you a point for realising Ralph Little did a voice. <laughs> uh-huh. But you do get the chance to answer the question next. As you have the other stuff first. Um, a. Okay, for extra point here, would, I've, um, would either of you like to take a guess at what A is? I will tell you, it is an adaptation of a British kids TV series. What's it, what was this, what's this again? A man finds his beliefs challenged when he enters a TV talent competition. And it's based on... It's based on a British kids' TV series. Okay. Uh, you can, either you can answer it in any order. You don't have to like wait here as well. TV enter- talent competition, kids' TV. Now, it's not, it's not Bodger and Badger. And we never mentioned this on the podcast, I don't think, but Bodger died recently, and that was quite sad. Traumatic for you. Badger's still going, though. It's just yeah. horrible memory. Need mashed potato everywhere, yeah. flinging it about, whatever's up, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. I can't, I can't think even think what that would well, be. Can you, can, you get, can you give us, like, when this show was on? Because me and Owen are older than you. Oh, but, it's like, still, no, way, it's still on. It's still on. And, I, and, I, and by kids, I mean like young kids. Uh, uh, Demon Headmaster. No. No. <laughs> it is Postman Pat the movie. Oh, what? He what? Enters a talent competition. Yeah, as a singer. Maybe you and should just, maybe you should concentrate some... and stop dicking about and getting people's postum on time. <laughs> and somehow, <laughs> and somehow this ties into the posting industry being under threat and being corporatized and some other such junk. It's... It's weird. It makes no sense. It's maybe they'd have more money if Postman Pat stopped getting helicopters and deliver letters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Fireman Sam's much more grounded in reality. Stephen Mangan plays Postman Pat. Rupert Grint is one of the villains. It's I don't. I, I think Ronan Keating provides the singing voice. For, for, it, it's it's all yeah. weird. I'm still not 100 percent certain. I didn't just dream this. Um, <laughs> C is Ballerina, which came out at the end of last year and is being released in the, in America under the brilliantly specific title of Leap with an exclamation mark. Ugh. Right. Um, so anyway, Steve, you still have control here. You can end this right now. If you're able to get, get, tell me, oh, which, I've been waiting for that moment. Trust yeah, me. If you can tell me which country the Unbeatables came from. Right now, you said earlier on that Russia was an answer in this, and Russia's not come up yet, so I'm going to say Russia. No, no, no. I meant Russia was an answer as any of them in general. Too uh, late. Too wrong. late. He's given yeah. it as his yeah, answer. He, he is too late. Um, Owen, right, would you like, would you like to try, Owen, would you like to try and tie this up? I think it's from India. No. No. Ah. It's from, <laughs> it's from Argentina. Uh, if it was from India, they'd be doing a cricket film, wouldn't they? That's good. Or, or oh, Botcher. <laughs> right, um, Steve, anyways, you still have a chance to solidify your position here because Owen can only tie here if you can answer the bonus question. Are you ready? Have you got, have you got a tie break? I do have a tie break, of course. Oh, fantastic. This is, I'm, I'm not here to facilitate madness. Right, okay, bonus <laughs> question. Who is the Oscar-winning director of The Secret in Their Eyes that also directed and co-wrote The Unbeatables? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Just hear this weird strangling of the noise of the back of your throat there. Rough little. <laughs> <laughs> no. Owen, do you want to take a, gam- do you want to take a punt? Uh, I wish I knew who it was. I don't. I'll just say. Um... I didn't even ask for a clue, though. I didn't ask for a clue. <laughs> you could ask for a clue. <laughs> okay, I'll have a clue. We'll take a clue. Okay. Um, okay. Right, hang on. I'm gonna have to quickly search one up here because I, <laughs> I, I didn't plan this. I planned far. I didn't plan this far ahead. Um, his filmography also includes Son of a Bride, Same Love, Same Rain, and The Boy Who Cried Bitch. I don't know you haven't got it from that, Owen. Fuck, I haven't got a clue. My first guess was going to be Nyaritu, but I don't think it's him. Um, nope, nope, it is not. I can't even think of anyone. Um, it is... It, it, oh, sorry, do you want to... Are you, are you going to try and have another answer anyway here? Uh, n- <sighs> So it's Argentinian. I can't even think of an Argentinian director. No, I've no idea. Uh, it is Juan Jose Campanella, who apparently was also involved in some 30 Rock episodes, according to Wikipedia. Um, there we oh. go. But yep, that, that means at 5-4, Steve is the winner of the quiz. Yes. In case you wanted yes. the tiebreak, the tiebreak would have been both of you trying to guess how long Monster Island lasted, and then the one who was closest would have just from the whole thing about okay. that. That was, uh, that was a that was a thoroughly enjoyable quiz, especially as I won. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, Callum. Um, that was good. I, I, I guarantee, I guarantee you, you would have. not be saying that if you'd lost. Yeah. <laughs> what we've been watching when we take a look at some of the non-new releases we have seen this week. I'm going to start us off with a film called Pet, which I saw on um, Sky Go, and I saw most of the film. Um, I'll come on to that later. But anyway, it stars uh, Dominic 
Monaghan, who you would know from the Lord of the Rings trilogy and Lost. Uh, he is a shy and, and slightly awkward guy who works for the animal control department in his, in his city. Um, sees some girl on a bus um, that he says he used to go to high school with. Becomes a bit obsessed with her. Um, then finds her, her diary um, eventually. Um, which leads to him kidnapping her um, and, and you know, trying to... Basically, he finds out in her diary that she's, 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 while on the face of it, she's a nice, innocent young girl, waitress. She's actually uh, a killer herself, and he kidnaps her after reading her diary to try and help her. Um, and it's one of these kind of psychological thrillers. They start, even though she's all caged up and he's trying to help her it's you know she's trying to play off against him trying to get free trying to manipulate him he's trying to help her and it's you know psychological thriller um and it starts off quite well and it's quite a good idea and like an interesting idea um it's obviously one of these kind of low budget films and but yeah it's you know it's an interesting idea um it starts off okay, the performance okay, and just sort of descends into to stupidness, uh, and just kind of loses you because you just start thinking, oh, this is getting silly now, it's getting a bit ridiculous, or it's just dragging on a bit as well. Um, so I didn't actually see the end of the film. It turns out after reading up on it on on Wikipedia today, because <laughs> it it looked like it had clearly ended. Uh, it, you know, it looked like it was a clear end to the film. The last scene happened, screen went blank for a bit, I was tired, I'd watched a crap film, I thought, that's it, going to bed. Turns out there's some extra <laughs> some extra stuff at the end that I completely missed. Um, yeah, a film like this can be done well, whether it's big budget or not. Um, it only made just under $11,000 at the box office, so that probably shows you, gives you an idea of how how well received it was. I wish it had done better because I like Dominic Monaghan from from in I like him in Lost uh, as Charlie I like him in Lord of the Rings uh, you know but it just doesn't work for me whatsoever the end from from the midpoint onwards when it starts to drag it starts to be quite repetitive it stops being interesting um the characters just start being a bit stupid um and you just kind of start losing interest and think, why am I bother putting this on? Um, so yes, that's that's the one that I would avoid, and that is pet. We we, we have somehow managed inadvertently we've lost a lot in this podcast so far, haven't we? Yeah. Yes, we have. Um, no, no, so, yeah, sorry. Intentionally, intentionally did so. It's all gonna. It, it that that technically was the payoff, or maybe yeah. it wasn't, or may, maybe in the future it'll be a payoff in a different timeline of some mm, kind. It was, a, it was a flash sideways. <laughs> yes, um, and there was already people living on the podcast when we crashed here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not really a desert island, but it can move in time if you push a wheel. Steve, you're making me not want to watch Lost. <laughs> I keep thinking about watching it back through again, and I just think that's going to make me furious. <laughs> I feel like we um, need to make, feel like we need to make a, another podcast of film critics 
expanded universe here. It's just Steve watching Lost slowly back as he slowly loses his mind in anger. Mm. <laughs> just thinking, yeah, it does all make sense. The French woman and she and that and and that all connects with this and what that little thing we saw twenty five episodes ago. That means that no, it doesn't mean anything. They made it up as they went along, and it was fucking purgatory. I'm sure you'll enjoy Twin Peaks. <laughs> Uh, Callum, what have you seen this week? <laughs> um, I saw. Well, I rewatched Dear White People, which was fan- which is still fantastic. In preparation, watch my Netflix series, which I'll do at some point once I've got on other TV shows I've finished. Because I'm trying this new thing where I start watching a TV show and then I finish watching that TV show instead of just stopping halfway through and never actually finishing it. Um, I rewatched Straight Outta Compton, which let me finally get a piece done about why that's great and why Notorious and All Eyes on Me suck out the door, which was posted on my website today, which you can find at uh, callumpetch.com. Plug, plug, plug. Mainly, however, I want to talk about Sophia Coppola's The Guild, which I saw on Saturday and is why I don't have a review of Captain Underpants. Um, it is an adaptation of a Thomas P. Conson novel, Painted Devil, which has also received a 1971 film version starring Clint Eastwood um, about set during the American Civil War at a all-women's nurse, nursery school thing out there in the Deep South. Um <laughs> One of the one of its ch- uh, like one of a group of girls uh, there stumbles across a wounded Yankee soldier play- played here by Colin Farrell, who they bring back to their house and they bring back to the house treat and start to fall under the temptations for like uh, under the temptations of. Uh, in a way, it's kind of a sexual melodrama. Um, but the uh, tension out there. The difference between this one and the novel and Eastwood's version neither of which I've seen apart from the fact that it's white as hell and has erased all the black characters and that there which Coppola what are you, Sophia Coppola what are you going to do um, is that this one is specifically from the point of view of the women instead of the man uh, like instead of the Confederate soldier instead of the Yankee soldier it's by it's instead specifically from the focus of all the women there um, it features Nicole Kidman Elle Fanning Kirsten Dunst um okay. It's mm, not a fan. Not a fan. In fact, I would actually go so far as to say that it is very bad. Um, it's it's oof. like is like the like the Brigade is pretty. It's a very very pretty film. Um, Kidman and Fanning are very good in it. In fact, one day I guarantee someday Elle Fanning has to star in an actually good movie. Like, like by law of averages, at some point, it has to happen. She will be in an actually good movie, and she'll be great in it. So just being the best part of shit. Um, but the problem with The Beguiled, as it has been for the three Sofia Coppola movies that I've watched, which are The Bling Ring, this, and um, Somewhere, is that Sofia Coppola's writing is about as subtle as a sledgehammer of a actually to be honest that comparison overstates the power of sledgehammers um it has about the same amount of nuance and like and direction as a sledgehammer and is just maddeningly self-serious like about everything even when it's trying to be funny like i've seen people try and claim the beguile that coppola's beguile is actually a comedy and if it's a comedy it's a comedy it kind of tells jokes in the same way tom hanks and catch me if you can does um it's just like, for one, her dialogue... Like, Sophia Coppola doesn't seem to understand how human beings talk. 
or act. Um, like all the dialogue is just either ultimately exposition or just the most blunt force, ridiculous, stupid nonsense. And that there that like clangs with leaden feet in every turn. But also the fact that um, like the regard is it, like, it's about uh, performative chivalry, um, the ways in which like thanks to this new POV and that there, we see that it, about ways that Colin Fowler is specifically trying to play all women off against each other in order to ensure they stay there and then also maybe have sex with as many of them as possible. So instead he's trying is insidiously being trying to be the person that each of them want him to be in that there. It's about, you know, a, a ways men kind of prey upon women in various different ways. Uh about the evil temptations of men. Um so, and about um isolationism and neutrality in the midst of war. All these are things that Copler's writing dramatizes by having everybody basically out loud state every single feeling and emotion. Um have um all the characters be incredibly thin, flat stereotypes with no dimension, and emphasizing the encroachment of danger of the danger they have let into their perfectly idyllic little house by having the sounds of war slowly get louder and closer as the film goes on do you get it it's very subtle um also uh despite that pov thing i think the film's actually weirdly self-loathingly sexist against itself um like, like admittedly i'm not the best person to talk about this here so if anybody's listening feel free to tell me if i'm wrong um if you watch some you can find me out on twitter's at callum Perch. i really want to hear from other people about this but it's the fact that like the problem is that none of the cast in this movie are written like people so much as just like very flat blank stereotypes for um everybody to play like like for old women to just throw themselves on Farrell against and the film kind of views them with a like very self-loving oh look at these weak helpless white women just can't can't resist the charms of this obviously like use of this obviously evil no good cad of a human being um in such a way it's like it feels judgy instead of like sod out like it's standing back the entire time being self like incredibly meaning like maddeningly self-serious about the whole thing you're not really looking into why any of these women feel the way they do towards um, Farrell instead just kind of judging them constantly for feeling that way and then sort of going all but yelling I told you so when it turns out that Farrell's not exactly a 100% not being 100% up to snuff um, I don't think it was intentional um, I, I mean like Coppola's probably just that I mean it, it also kind of follows on a lot of Coppola's other work though where she has a very kind of snobbish disregard for this specific kind of how she displays this helpless white woman out there. But mainly it comes from her writing being just like, just being utterly cack handed and awful. Just like she's a bad, she's a bad writer. She writes terrible characters. Um, and also uh, it's both, of course, that the Bagard was, and Coppola was the only the second woman ever to win best director at Cannes for her work here. And if this is what won best director at Cannes this year, then Cannes must've had a really shit lineup to pick from. Uh, the tension's non-existent, even at 94 minutes, the pacing is sloppy as all hell, and the film is just so utterly lifeless and miserable. Like, the only real times it comes alive, like, like not even comes alive, like, the only points of life I can see in the film are Kidman and Fanning, and that's because they seem to be aware of the kind of story this film should be, which is a kind of purposely trashy, melodramatic, um, erotic thriller, where they're like, desperately trying to put in, you know, some kind of, like, ridiculous vampy sexuality to the film but Coppola otherwise has no interest in actually trying to mine or look or even so much as like 
glance in the direction of. So what you get is just this mostly just lifeless, dull film that drags its feet for ninety-two, like for like ninety-four minutes, doing very, very little, bashing its one theme over your head over and over and over again, and just it's just it's a bad film. It's a bad, bad film, and um. Again, I I, I, I I might possibly just be read I might have just probably just read this wrong, so I'm willing to hear from other people um if I've got this wrong, especially since I can already see how this story would turn out if it was from the men's point of, if from a man's point of view. And let me tell you, it doesn't scan particularly well. But um like this film version specifically again, and in Coppola's hands, it's just it's a disaster. It's a bad, bad Okay. Film. Um that was uh beguiled and Owen, what have you seen this week? Uh, I mentioned the other week that I watched something called Phoenix Forgotten, and I was still in the mood for more like alien abduction kind of stories, and I was rummaging around on Netflix, as you do, and I came across a documentary on there called Extraordinary, the Stan Romanek story. It had four and a half stars, because the Netflix app on my TV hasn't updated to thumbs up or thumbs down yet, thank God. Um <laughs> Good, and the good. yeah, and the description on Netflix says, "Explore the life and times of Stan Romanek, who found who found himself in the middle of one of history's most intriguing stories of extraterrestrial contact." Right. So the the documentary opens with some um, pleas to the audience, basically. Uh, so it says, "Like I've written down exactly what it said because." From the very first opening crawl, I knew I was going to hate this documentary. It says, Stan Romanek is the centre of the most documented extraterrestrial contact story in the world. And the multitude of evidence he has collected over 13 years challenges conventional beliefs. What surprised us most, however, was Stan and Lisa's ability to overcome the gripping fear, emotional pain and relentless ridicule experiences, in quotation marks, encounter. Being abducted must be harrowing, but so is the isolation that constantly follows the misunderstood. Stan is most definitely misunderstood. Isn't that just like, (coughs) makes you feel a bit sick, right? I just, I just like like a long, horrible sigh from the back of my throat. There, just ugh. yeah. So immediately, you know, this isn't a documentary. This is a tribute to a man. This is a pointless, horrible, one-sided. Yeah, it's it's just despicable. I just as soon as it came up, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. So then, what happens next, right? Oh, oh actually, there was another bit. There was a quote that they used from St. Thomas Aquinas, who was around in the 13th century, I think, a Catholic priest. He said, We can't have full knowledge all at once. We must start by believing, then afterwards we may be led on to master the evidence for ourselves. Right? We can't have full knowledge all at once. Bear Uh, that in mind for what I tell you at the end. Okay? Uh, Owen, I'm already considering this film a personal attack against myself. Yes, it is a personal attack against everything that any decent person stands for. So I will explain that in more detail as well. What happens after we've had this horrible, like, text, white text on black background show up, um, and that that quote that immediately makes you go, hang on a fucking minute, right? You have the evidence, which is 40 minutes of so-called evidence, all, like, just chopped together. 
into one long, relentless segment. It's, I mean, it's the supposed documented abductions or, like, encounters. Uh, But basically, it's all manner of stupid, fake, made-up, utter drivel that stupid fucking morons accept as evidence of Stan's encounters. Um, Or should I give him his true name? I should stop calling him Stan, and I should call him by the name that the aliens have given him, which is Starseed. Because he is used to impregnate all these other aliens, and he has nine alien children. So he's Starseed because he's he's flinging he's flinging his space bunk everywhere. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he's Starseed who basically just fucks about on a space. Is there is there lots of talking heads in this documentary? Well, like I said, we have forty minutes of evidence, right? And the apparent evidence is like so obviously fake, like. Alien puppets peeping from around I, I, the I, I mean, I'm not surprised given that this already sounds just like somebody's bad o, bad um, OC of Star-Lord here. Re- original yeah, character, yeah. do not steal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, you have... There's one scene where he's, his patio doors that lead out onto his garden from his kitchen. He's got his camera recording, as you do, because he's always got it recorded. And uh, this alien peeps from round the corner. And he's like, oh, my God, what is that? What the fuck is that? What is, what is that? What is that? I can't see what that is. And you're like, well, you either move closer and go to it or you would do what any sane person does if you saw an alien peeping around your corner and go, fuck this shit and run off. Right. He does neither. He just stands there filming with his shaky cam, conveniently but, moves the right, camera if... out of the way to run over there. And then when he brings the camera up to look out the window again, oh, it's gone. Where did it go? If if all these aliens are abducting him and making him have space mm. babies, he's probably on terms with them. He can probably walk up and go, "You're right, space." You man. would, you would think so. Are we, am I going? Am I going fucking more aliens tonight or what? Do you, do you want to be? In, do you want to be in my documentary about how I have the best space fucker? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. Okay. So there's another there's another quote I've got for you here, which I wrote down. This is from... So he has communications with these aliens via telephone calls, right? With a kind of disguised, sort of posh, British-accented woman who calls him. And um, (laughs) one of the phone calls says, You know you are different. Follow your instincts and stay alert. This is too important. Soon it will all be revealed. And Starseed, do not be afraid of what you are. Makes Derek Akora sound credible. It does, doesn't it? Uh, I'll tell I'll tell you this right now. I cannot wait for the Anton Deck dramatization version of this film <laughs> right now. Yeah. So well, that's not going to happen. And I'm, I am I am building to why, right? Because they put it in at the end of the film, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing, you fucking morons? Right. So there's a bit. Um, he undergoes hypnosis as well at one point. So he recounts some of his past experiences because he forgets them all. They conveniently like mind wipe him after every encounter. Um, but he talks about stuff. And you find out from his childhood, he was the class retard, to give you know his own quote, because he had severe dyslexia. And uh, he was also the only white kid in a black kid's school in Detroit. Oh, 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 God, oh, God, oh, God, I don't want this, stop it, stop it, stop it, please stop it. It's He states, and then he reiterates, and then he repeats that it's where he learned how to fight, 
Do you get it? Because he's really hard, Starseed. Not only does he fuck all the aliens, but he could fuck you up. You know, he knows how to defend himself, old Starseed. Um, can I can I just ask before we go on here so mm-hmm. I can know whether I am... It, does he actually, like, have, like, mental issues, like, mental illnesses and that here, or is it just... Or, or is it just, like, in his words that he's this kind of thing? Both because... Uh, then, yeah. then, I, then I know what no, I feel no, bad about. There's no diagnosis, but I get the impression he was probably abused as a kid. You know, like how sometimes people who have these alien encounters, so-called alien encounters, they it turns out they were probably they were like abused as children and it's their kind now, of way. Okay, now I feel bad. <laughs> but it doesn't state that in the documentary. That's mm. my like Right. I'm just guessing here. The only thing that goes on is he claims to have been bullied. Yeah, okay, but I'll, I will spare my. I will. I will direct my anger towards the film itself, then, rather than the person. No, now. do not, okay, because do not, because. So, like the encounters uh, are clearly them. There's ways for him to get attention. He's made them up, right? Um, but it's the fact he's being called special by his make-believe friends all the time, and he only started having these encounters. He even says in the documentary, I didn't, I never used to believe in aliens. It was my wife who did. And conveniently, on one of his first trips out to see his his wife, uh, that's where he meets his first alien. So, like, you make the, as the viewer, make the connection, right? So, basically... What, what, one, is, of his, one of his many space alien wives as well. <laughs> no, his real Earth wife, who has to put up with him going and fucking other women, Right. But, so, uh, yeah, which but, is the uh, thing that happens? Yeah, it's, it's an it's an it's an intergalactically open relationship. I'm assuming. Yes, for him. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's okay for him. <laughs> she can't fuck any aliens. <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah, no they way. don't want it. It's only him they want. It's his special star seed that they want. It's special star seed, and it's just like it just wound me up all the way through. You know that opening crawl, which basically says, "Hey, feel sorry for this guy." Even if you don't think he's actually being abducted, just feel sorry for him, guys, because he's he's been through a lot, and you know, you don't know what it's like for good old good guy Stan, old reliable nice, wouldn't harm a fly Stan. And then at the end, it drops a bombshell in text, like probably um sixty ninety seconds before the end of the film. Oh yeah, by the way, Stan was arrested for possession of child pornography. But listen, he's just totally innocent, yeah, and he'll whoa, get whoa, out. Whoa, so whoa, 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 <laughs> But this documentary <laughs> sounds essentially like a propaganda piece, so why would you put that in there? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh my Possession and distribution of child pornography, which he claims is a conspiracy. It's all been dumped on his computer by oh agencies God. beyond his control. By, by <laughs> the greys. Yeah. They're always the one that manipulates everything in all the, exactly. these abduction things, aren't they? They're the ones it's a sabotage. Yep. Yeah, by, by, the, by the reptoids. Class, Will, Will Smith mm-hmm. and Tommy Lee Jones are going the extra mile to make to cover up alien conspiracies here, aren't they? Yep. Yeah. Men in black, <laughs> men in black fours taking a sinister turn, really. Yeah. They pied off. They got. They pied off that Jump Street thing <laughs> with Men in Black, and they've now gone to some dark thing where they put porn on I'm, I'm alien sorry, abductees' like... computers. 
I mean, I'm sorry, like, as you were building up, I assumed that that final twist would have been, oh, by the way, he made it up the entire time. He was just crazier well than that there. Just like an admission that everything you watched was completely poised. But that's somehow, that's somehow even, like, better and worse than anything I could have imagined. Dear God. <laughs> it was a bit of a shock to me as well. Because I'm watching it at some points in this, I'm thinking, I mean, he's a massive prick, but maybe it, it, it was all just a cover-up, like his way of dealing with something. And then it just goes, but he was, you know... He was arrested for possession of um, oh. child pornography. And you're like, mm. what the fuck are you oh talking about? <laughs> so I, I read up a little bit about this because I, I just got curious. Oh. And so apparently, according to Snopes, anyway, according to, um, to, to Snopes, the documentary was, was made initially in 2013. And then it was 2015, 2014, 2015 when he was arrested for the possession. So, like, they put everything together and then that happened. And rather than just think, oh, we've wasted all this because we've made a, a child abuser look sympathetic. Um, rather than just go, we shouldn't release this. Netflix went, yeah, let's put it on here. We'll open this up to, like, uh, hundreds of millions of viewers across the world. Um, so, so what you're saying is that neither Ant nor Deck will be doing a sympathetic fictional portrayal of his life story. Then I take it. No, um, maybe, maybe, maybe. Well, there that is. Uh, no, we can't put that in the podcast. But, <laughs> but like, literally, just. I mean, it can just fuck the fuck off. I already hated it. I was already like disliking it from the first few minutes. Well, first few seconds, and then that at the end just made me go. So it's bad in terms of. It's objectively a poor movie, a poor documentary. I mean, it's reprehensible because it's feel sorry for this child, for this child pornographer. Which it hides from you as well. So, like, I went back and thought about that quote that was at the beginning. We can't have full knowledge all at once. We must start by believing. Then afterwards, we may be led on to master the evidence oh, for ourselves. Oh, fuck off. Well, yeah. anyway. So you that... can't have full knowledge at once. You have to start by believing. Believe this guy. Believe the stuff that's happening to him. Feel sorry for him. And then you can work out for yourself whether you think he's a child abuser. That's a fucking, uh, no, that's a, that's he's a been fucking sore ending is what yep. that is there. Yeah. He's been arrested. There's no believing. You know, it was found on his computer. It, it's just, it's just, it's horrific. So mm. my advice, steer well clear. Thank you for sharing your story here with us, Owen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was the Stan Romanek story. Extraordinary. It's called, I'll, extraordinary. Should we give it its, its dues? That is quite an extraordinary. Well, yeah, that is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not false <laughs> advertising there, at least. So this week we are going to be, for our new release, reviewing Dunkirk, the latest Christopher Nolan film starring uh, Mark Rylance, Killian Murphy, um, Tom Hardy, and One Direction's Harry Styles, um, and is a, um, so yeah, based on the true events of the evacuation of British uh, soldiers, um, and uh, soldiers of other nationalities eventually, uh, from Dunkirk in World War Two. Um, I've done a, done a review, uh, a short review on the website for this, where um, I kind of explained that World War Two was always one of my favourite parts of history at school, um, so perhaps it's why, partly why I like the film so much, um, or found it quite interesting. Uh, I also thought it was, in my opinion, Nolan's 
best film. Um, although others might disagree with me. Um, but Callum, what did you think of the film? Oh, I, I, I was waiting for like some kind of qualifier there, like best film in, but no, just full on best. Okay. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, I like all of them. I like his Batman trilogy. I like the Prestige. I like uh, Memento. I like uh, Interstellar and Inception. But I, I like this one the best out of out of those. I, I just found it not perhaps the most enjoyable. It's not like a it's not a fun film. It's not like a superhero film. Uh, like no, Batman. No, there's, no, there's no, there's no kind of like. There's no kind of like twists or anything like that. Obviously, there is an inception. It's quite a different film from what Nolan's usually done because it's more grounded in reality. Whereas you, mm. you know, you think of him from superhero films or films like Inception or Interstellar, where there's some kind of sci-fi element or or twist to the plot or something like that. Um, it's, it's, it seems it's quite different. See, I don't know. I feel I feel like this is kind of actually like. Nolan operating exactly in his wheelhouse, mm. uh, like perfectly. Uh, which I mean, on the one hand, is better than like is at least a step up from Interstellar, which was yeah, kind of which was like um, which he desperately tried to convince us that no, he actually totally does understand human emotions, you guys. And the result mm. was kind of like trying to watch a type, like trying to watch a typewriter cry. Yeah, it's both like fascinating and embarrassing at the same time. Yeah, um, but I'm, I don't mean this is an insult to Nolan, by the way. Um, it's like that's not like an insult. He he is good at what he does in making like specific, now like cold calculating movies. That that's what he does. He he gets him out. He got he does his job well. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I will admit this up front. Despite anything else I do say here, I I did like Dunkirk. Um, I think the stru- the um, structure of the film, which is divided between the land, um, the sea, and the air, with each of them being separated over different timelines as well. Land taking across one week, sea. Yeah, it's, no, it's, one day. it's non-linear. It's non-linear, isn't it? The, the storyline. So you've got yeah. the, the soldiers on the beach, the RAF pilots, and the uh, captain of one of the, the what they called the little ships, which were. Um, kind of recreational or fishing little boats requisitioned by the navy to go and help the evacuation and in a lot of cases uh the navy put people on them said so would would need your boats and the people said right you take them but in some cases well the actual people who owned the boats went and took them over to dunkirk as well because they knew how their boats run and etc and they didn't want you know want didn't want themselves on the boat because they didn't want anything to happen so they went and helped so that's the story of you know mark rylance's character um and his son and their assistant like i feel like the um like the structure works well especially the way that it with very few exceptions always cycles exactly in the order of going land sea air like going yeah. round and round and round and round back and forth and but by the time that everything does slot in start slotting in together and syncing up by the time you act like the end of um, the second act about that mm. it really good on like an entertaining level yeah um i also think it works better than if they had just like done I, if they'd either just run them all concurrently you know like in linear order or did all three separately and you know like cycle back i feel yeah. like that wouldn't work i feel like that works well and um it's a great shot uh, and also like it it is intense like it's real yeah. intensity like no nolan's not really a great action filmmaker but he is a great spectacle filmmaker if that makes mm. sense like it, of course one it looked it looked and sounded 
amazing. Yeah, it did. Like it and loud as well. Like, yeah. Um, like got, it, like, it really ramped up the tension. It made you feel like you were there as much as it possibly could. Yeah, especially um, every time that one of these screaming dive bombers comes on as well. And that there, the, the, yeah. the soundtrack just like brings it up and up and up so, mm. so you can feel the ha- it has standing on your neck. Yeah. And um, Nolan and drowning as well, which of course is a constant becoming part of Nolan's work and like here, but here's just especially like especially just yeah. like purely terrifying if you have a fear of drowning and maybe even some bits of enclosed spaces maybe don't watch dunkirk that's <laughs> it's a, it's advice to you don't it's real yeah. good yeah so yeah, it is intense. um i my problem is i mean for one i re-watched war for the planet of the apes before this which did not help dunkirk's case in the slightest <laughs> to be quite honest um but my issue is that it's kind of i feel it's cold and distant even by nolan standards well there's like, there's quite a lack of dialogue in the film so you never really yeah. while i think some of the performances are good um especially mark rylance for me i thought he was he was brilliant but mm. you you don't get to kind of you don't really get to know many of the characters because there's so such little dialogue yeah and there's they they do do some of them do do well just by expressions and facial expressions and and body language and whatever. There's only so much you can do, so you never really find out much about them. You never really warm to any of the characters. So it's quite strange that, uh, you know, well, not quite strange, but, you know, Tom Hardy's probably the big name in this film and you barely even see his face, hmm. which, which was... Yeah, but, you know, there's, there's such little dialogue, you don't really get to know any of yeah. the characters. I, I mean, I was going to get onto that anyway. Like, I, I feel, like, one of the issues with it is definitely that there's not but i mean characters will probably have helped um yeah. to be honest about here especially since in its place is once you get outside of the big names you know your kenneth Branagh, your mark violence your tom hardy and my, yeah your killian murphy you basically just have a whole load of very interchangeable white like like i seriously i looked at that film i honestly i'm being honest here i could not tell the difference between half that cast no like I mean, half, you look, you, of, half of them looked exactly yeah. the same to me and, well, the, and the, the, they the, all had the same amount of zero um screen charisma the, uh, the well. main the main kind of um the, the you know the private who's the actor's name escapes me but you know the one it's you a, start the film Fionn whitehead apparently yeah uh, and him and Harry Styles. I mean, Harry Styles, you know, because it's Harry Styles. But if he, I, if he I, wasn't I don't Harry, actually, but uh, if he, if he, if he wasn't Harry Styles, he would be quite. He would. They would. They all look quite similar. They're all wearing the same clothes, obviously, because it's uniform. They've all got similar yeah. haircuts. They're all the same kind of build. They're yeah. all the same, They're all white. They're all. You know, they just look the same. And because it's not like, there's not much dialogue, you don't get to. Yeah. You can't. There's not. You don't really get to know differences between them. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I sort of get the idea of that as well that makes sense again that these aren't really so much like like but we're not looking at these as people so much as like you know you know and in the same way like the army didn't really so much see these as people as just like you know like interchangeable cogs fighting a war and all yeah. that stuff from out there but um like the problem is is that to me it feels like even like nolan doesn't really have that much interest in the story that he's telling or like yeah. in the film it's like outside of it being a spectacle like it's like for me it's kind of imagine what a christopher nolan war movie would look like and this is exactly the film you picture in your head and nothing yeah. more nothing less I, I mean if i were a more cynical man i could sit here and say this is nolan's very desperate attempt to finally get the oscars because i mean if the oscars aren't going to award a world war ii movie then it's just clearly never going to fucking happen is it yeah. um but like 
like like it, it feel like because it doesn't really have anything new to say about war it, itself and that you know just war being hell and all that stuff from that there um yeah. it's like it, um I, I, like or, or in one case there does seem to be it occasionally seems to brush up against the idea that the british and the french have a resentful attitude towards one another um about stuff like that there but the film doesn't really again because it's not really got any character that doesn't actually focus it on anything other than a bit of drama you know to ramp up in the second act before another drowning sequence um, yeah it's like like for example like again i'm fine with that it's kind of in the point of, of you know old nolan films in that kind same kind of way but most of them actually have a kind of like full-on investment from him that makes it kind of not stick out as much like for example this is why i'd say inception is probably his best film not maybe so much in quality because i haven't seen the prestige before anybody tries to throw prestige at me um but i feel like it's like the most nolan because it's one that clearly has him most put in and you can actually read stuff into it about you know his mindscape as well since it's basically a film where he sits there and goes and tells you straight up but feelings are evil things that will stop you from being able to make great art from doing what they do and all that stuff because that's whereas in dunkirk i don't really see any personal investment from nolan besides the time you know like the uh, the, the timeline flippity boo mm. Um, which also then brings me on to another thing is this is the most objective thing as well here. Well, I just kind of, I think I'm just kind of tired about these kinds of stories, you know, of like for one of, you know, of just of interchangeable white people surviving against you know, like increasingly stressful odds and that kind of specific nationalistic pride in England and what England stands for. Yeah, and how, I mean, World War Two is its finest. We've just been yeah. receiving a lot of like a sudden resurgence over these past few years. And well, I mean, just I, think, kind of... I think some of that. I mean, obviously, you can't. The, the predominantly the British Army at that time was obviously made up of of white people. It wasn't such a yeah. culturally diverse country at the time. You can't change if you started putting in. Um, characters of different ethnicities into that film in some of those roles, even in the background roles, it wouldn't look right. And yeah, whether no, no, that's no, I know. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, Dunkirk isn't um, people. I think with what's going on in in the real world at the moment, with with kind of terrorist attacks on our street, Dunkirk mm. spirit is one of them things that's coming back because it was it was a triumph in adversity. It was yeah. basically we lost. We got our asses handed to us. Um, yeah. and we as, they meant, as they mentioned repeatedly the, yeah. Yeah. the finale yeah yeah um yeah it was a bit cheesy having churchill i know it's a big famous speech by churchill that fight them on the beach is one but it was a bit cheesy having it over at the end it was a bit it was a bit easy and it was a bit it was a bit corny to have that over the end of it nolan the calculator feels emotions steve well yeah <laughs> yeah no no i get i get, I get I, i'm specifying this i'm mentioning this here is that none of this is a fault of the film like that's just my personal issues bringing into it. It's not meant to actually thing film itself, which is again the same reason why for people dragging that. I think it was the USA Today review that mentioned the exact same thing. Me yeah. that they aren't getting why they said it in that. But it's it's the film itself. It's fine. It's good. It's solid. It's just like for me, I think there's just a kind of boredness to it. And as I came out, I realized that it's basically the film that their finest was making. You know, the film inside that. Did you watch their finest? Um, no, I haven't. Right. Uh, well, I mean, it's not very good. Um, so I'll save you some time on that. Well, I mean, okay, it's fine until twenty minutes before the end, and then it just swan dives off of a cliff and breaks its neck in the process. Um, but like, like the film in the film that they're making there is basically this exact same movie with Mark Rylance and the Bill Nye role, and similarly, they're straining very hard to be the I am the soul of this film, and I mm. didn't think it quite worked. Um, 
again, like for me, again, it's mostly just kind of fine. I think I, I think a part of it, again, a lot of it is just kind of me being a bit burnt out and some of it is a film just kind of not really having too much going on under the surface. That being said, one definitely brilliant, like undeniably exceptional thing that I am not going to take away from this slide is, is Hans Zimmer's score, which I think is just yeah. one, for the, one for the ages. It's probably his best work I've ever heard from it. It's just phenomenal. If, 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 the, if the film wins an Oscar for anything, it should be that. It, it needs to be for that, because dear yeah. God, that is such an amazing score. Mm. And especially in the that, 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 that paranoid intensity of, circ- of like that kind of circling, constantly looping samples that slowly build and build an intensity and find different experimental edges to go on instead of finding any, you know, the usual soarings or crows or even like Hans Zimmer thing in Nolan movies where it's just like that low throb amount there. Even very, he keeps changing it, switching it up to make it purposely on edge and twitchy amount there. And it does, it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and the rest of the film is just kind of pretty good, I think. Um, n- yeah. nothing wrong with, again nothing wrong with it a lot of the problems I have with it are mainly just coming from me and my general uh, fatigue you know like wrong place wrong time like I think there, I think but... what a lot of people and I didn't manage to see it in one of these screens but I think a lot of people are suggesting because the visuals and the, the sound is so good and the soundtrack's so good to see it in an IMAX or uh, you know one of these was it four I sense screens only seventy millimeter or something as well. Yeah, but this, if you can see it in one of those, yeah, kind of screens because it adds a lot to it with the like I said the visuals and the the sound yeah, being so good. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I'm I'm glad we still have Christopher Nolan movies even when he fails because they're always events like made yeah. for the biggest screens, the best quality projectors, and all that stuff. Yeah, and I'm glad I got to see it. I just, I don't know. I think as a part of me, maybe I was expecting more and instead just got exactly the film yeah. that I expected when I was I mean, told. I, I don't know. It was, perhaps with me, it's because like I said, well, at school, I always found World War II quite interesting. My, my grand lived through it as a child. It's, huh. it's still quite it's still quite recent. So yeah. like, I, I liked learning about it. It, it, it. And there's not been many films made about Dunkirk itself. That Maybe it's because the Americans didn't ride in and save everyone. So Hollywood hasn't really done... That and, al- that and also it's a, a very a very complicated like thing in that there it's very hard to go from a to b to c in that there which i think yeah. is, again is why nolan's structure whilst at the same time i think sort of hampering a bit of the impact until you get mm. to that final third when everything starts clicking into place perfectly but at the same time it's kind of the only way i think you can really tell this yeah. story and, and maybe it's because because essentially it was a defeat for the british and the brits don't really like watching us lose at anything um, yeah, <laughs> even though it happens quite a lot in a lot of things, especially yeah. sport. But you know, we don't really like watching ourselves losing. It was essentially a defeat for us, even though kind of turned it into a victory for us. With you know, it was yeah. essentially a defeat. So maybe, but yeah. you know, but it it made me want to watch a load of World War Two. It made me want to watch Band of Brothers again. Go through the whole box set of that. It made me want to watch Saving Private Ryan or even stuff like. The Great Escape, or even going on to other kinds of like the Longest Day, and that you know just wanted me to watch, make me want to watch a load of old World War Two films again. Yeah. Um, but yes, that's Dunkirk, and we both we both recommend seeing it. And if you wanted where Owen was for this section, uh, technical difficulties meant he left us. <laughs> Time now for some recommendations for the week ahead. I'm going to go with Netflix and recently added to that is the Melissa McCarthy uh, comedy Spy, also starring uh, Jason Statham and Jude Law 
and, and others, um, which was a really good kind of, I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as what I did, but it was a fantastic, uh, good comedy. Um, Callum? Uh, Get Out is now available on DVD and Blu-ray. It is the best film of the year so far and will probably, for me, be the best film of the whole year. Also, as a quick PSA, um, Rick and Morty Season 3 apparently will be having, will be at adding new episodes every week as they air in America onto Netflix as well, so you can watch at the same time as them, starting July 30th. Oh, thank God for that. That's amazing. I, I was worried about how I was going to catch that up, uh, catch yeah. up with that. Um, as was I. Yeah. And Owen? I'm going to recommend a film. It was in my top 100 um, Netflix films on Netflix list that was on the website, or is still on the website, not was. Uh, Which you can find at falcodies.com. That's it. That's the one. Uh, yeah, The Green Inferno, Eli Roth's um, anti-SJW culture film, I guess you could call it. Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's a cannibal movie, basically. Um, people get stuck in the jungle and then eaten by cannibals. But I really like it. I mean, it's just so in-your-face, offensively grotesque, which is what basically you want from an Eli Roth film. Um, And it does it all really well. So, yeah, The Green Inferno on Netflix. Okay, that's all for this week's Failed Critics Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Next time, me... Owen and Paul will be back with a football film special. Yeah, you, me, and Paul and Liam will be back for a football triple bill. Yeah. And you will what you have to watch Dangerous Game. Yes. I may watch Dangerous Game. Okay. There's no obligation for me. Uh, the obligation is on you. Yeah, so that's all to look <laughs> forward to next week. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, you can find the website www.failcritics.com. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes with contributions from different guests every week with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com from the track The Bandit remixed by James Yule who you can find at jamesyule.com You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Failed Critics on iTunes and all good podcast apps or you can check us out at failedcritics.com If you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating or a review and why not check out our sister podcasts Character Unlock and Field and Mullinger's Underground Nights from the failed media network of podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.